0: Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're going to turn to Mark's Gospel. We're going to read from Mark chapter 4. We're pausing our series on Exodus for a little while. It's come to a a natural uh, break, and so we have a a one-off sermon this morning on Mark chapter 4. We're going to read Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. You'll find it on page 839 of the Pew Bibles page 839. This is the the famous parable of the sower, very well-known parable that Jesus tells. And we're going to read it together just now. So Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 and reading down to verse 20. And as we read, we remember this is God's word to us. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the one who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to think about the parable that we read earlier in our service. You'll find it on page 839 of the Pew Bibles. And as you're turning that passage up, uh, let's pray for a moment together. Father, just as we've... Prayed for farmers who will sow the seed. So we now pray for your word as it is sown in our hearts. We pray that you would come by your spirit and that you would help us to be receptive to your word, that you would help us to block out distractions and to focus on what you said to us in the scriptures. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a sure and certain guide for us in this world. And we pray that you would speak to us all this morning, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The story is told of an older man who was beginning to wonder if his wife had a hearing problem. The man had become concerned about his wife's hearing over the course of a few months. And one night he decided to test her hearing. They were sitting together in the living room, fire was lit, television was on, They were sitting beside each other on the sofa. He decided to go for it and speak to her in a soft voice to really test her hearing. Darling, can you hear me? He said, no response. Moved a little closer towards her on the sofa and a few minutes later said again, a little bit louder, darling, can you hear me? Still no response. Becoming more and more concerned about his wife's hearing, the man thought he would give it one more try. He moved as close to her as he possibly could, as close as he could without, her, without causing her to think that something was going on. And for the third time, he said, darling, can you hear me? And she replied, for the third time, darling, yes. Funny, trivial, little story. I've told it before here in church, but it's a story that makes a point about listening. Listening to someone speaking, whether we know it or not, whether we know it or not, when we approach the Bible, we're either listening or we're not. Whether we know it or not, we all approach the Bible with a certain posture. We all respond in our hearts when the Bible is opened and faithfully proclaimed. But the question is, what kind of listener are we? What what posture do our hearts take when we hear the message of Jesus? In the parable that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus wants us to figure out if we're listening to him and how we're listening to him. He wants to point out the posture of our hearts when it comes to hearing his word. He speaks about everyone here in church this morning. He doesn't miss anyone out. He says that some of us have hard hearts, some of us have shallow hearts, some of us have distracted hearts, and that some of us have receptive hearts. Through this parable, Jesus is essentially saying, I I can change your life. But are you listening? He's asking, what what kind of listener are you? And that's a really important question for us to think about because the direction of our lives and of our eternities depends on the answer we give. How we listen to Jesus in this life has consequences now and forever. So as we begin this morning, let's ask ourselves the question, are we listening to Jesus? Are you listening to Jesus when you come to church and hear the Bible read and explained Are you listening to Jesus through the week as you read the Bible yourself? Are you listening to Jesus? This morning, we're in between series. We're going to pause our series on Exodus for a while. It has come to a natural break. From next Sunday evening on, we'll be in Mark's Gospel and we'll be thinking about the events leading up to Jesus' death on the cross. Bit of an Easter series for us. My head has been in Mark this week, and so I thought thought that it would be helpful for us to consider this parable again. We have looked at it before in church, but this is one of those passages that is always good for us to consider. The, The parable that we're looking at this morning is very, very famous. It's a parable that you could preach two or three sermons on and say something different every time. There are lots of points that are helpful for us to think about. And I have found this parable to be one of the most important when it, comes to think, when it comes to thinking about ministry and church. It tells us so much about how people respond to the gospel. It's really important, though, because of what Jesus says in verse 13. Notice that he says to his disciples, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? What Jesus is saying there is, if you don't understand what I'm saying here, then none of the other parables in the Bible, in the New Testament, will make sense. It's really important that we grasp what Jesus is saying and teaching here. But parables do me, to, do two main things. They impart blessing or confirm judgment. So people who have hearts like, like the good soil are blessed by parables. They delight and take encouragement from the simple and profound truth Jesus teaches in these stories As you'll see in verse 11, it's to these people that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given. But to those hardened against God, parables are designed to confirm judgment. They're designed to remain mundane stories about sowers, vineyards, fishing nets, banquets, traveling, nothing more. For this type of person, parables remain veiled and obscure, as does the gospel itself. You see, as Jesus speaks in parables, it's as though he's asking a question. Do you get the point or not? If you get the point, it's a sign that you're the good soil. If you don't, it's a sign that your heart is hard. Parables are really just filters. Some of you might have a water filter at home that sifts out all the impurities. That's what parables do. They sift out people who understand the message of Jesus and people who don't. Jesus says this in verse 12, he quotes Isaiah and says this, he says, They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Some of us maybe know what it's like to have calloused hands, skin that is hard and tough and slightly yellow. It's thick skin, dead skin. Parables indicate whose heart is calloused and whose is not. They indicate whose ears are open and whose eyes are open and whose ears and eyes are closed. They're very pointed. They're very stark. And the starkness in the parable of the store comes through the question, are you listening to Jesus? What kind of listener are you? Now, we've said lots by way of introduction this morning, but what we're going to look at in the rest of our time together is our hearts. We're going to look at this parable that Jesus teaches, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, What kind of listener am I? It's an important question for me to ask. It's an important question for you to ask. And we need to figure this one out for ourselves. Jesus tells the parable in verses three to nine. It's really short. There's not much to it. His explanation of the parable comes later in verses 14 to 20. And what we see is that there are four kinds of soil, four kinds of listeners, four conditions of the human heart. And as we've already said, Everybody here in church is in this parable. So Jesus doesn't miss anybody out. We're all here. First of all, Jesus speaks about people who have hard hearts. Look at what verses 14 and 15 say. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Jesus begins with the careless hearer someone with a hard heart. This person hears what is said and isn't particularly hostile to the message. The mention of the message that was soon suggests that Jesus is speaking of something more than just an outward hearing. But like the path, this person's heart turns out to be hard. It's calloused. Paths in fields in Jesus' day would have been little dirt tracks that you could walk on. They wouldn't have been tarmacked. They would have just been hard ground, which would have been trampled over by footsteps and and dried by the hot sun. And so if any seed fell on the path, it would have just sat there. It wouldn't have got below the surface. And that made it easy for the birds to swoop down and take it. Jesus is really saying that some people will hear the message of the kingdom, but will never really let it penetrate their hearts. He says that before they really understand it or come to terms with it, the devil will snatch it away. You see, there is somebody who doesn't want anybody to respond to King Jesus, and he is actively snatching people away. If you're observant, you'll have noticed that there are lots of different signs posted in car parks. We've got some signs in our car parks. D- d- directions, if you're in something like a forest park. Instructions, if you're in a shop car park. Well, one sign that you see commonly in a variety of different car parks is one which says, beware things. Thieves operate in this area. It's a warning sign to tell you to watch out for someone who may come and snatch valuables from your car. It's a sign that could be used every time the Bible is opened and explained and preached. Every time the gospel is proclaimed, there's a thief who's operating in the area. Satan actively steals away the seed that is sown. How do you know that you've got a hard heart though? Whatever you're thinking about at the minute is a good indicator of the posture of your heart. So if you're thinking, Stephen looks much younger without his beard. When did he shave? Didn't notice that last week. You you might be thinking about all you have to do next week. You'd be thinking about dinner that's on at home in the oven. If you're thinking about any of those kinds of things, that's a sign that your heart is hard. I'm sure there are some of us like that here today. We know the gospel. We've heard it all before. But we just shrug and say, well, that's for them, but it's not for me. I'd rather just do my bit for God and then go home. Know, know, know that, if that if that's the posture of your heart, then a thief has come and stolen the word away. This first soil is a warning to those of us who have hard, calloused hearts. If this describes you, then you desperately need to pray that God would help you to understand his message. You despa- desperately need to pray that you would listen to Jesus. Secondly, Jesus talks about shallow hearts. Look at verses 16 and 17. He says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now this looks like the best kind of soil. There's immediate growth and immediate response. The message of the kingdom is received with joy. But because there's no root, the joyful response doesn't last. A month later, six months later, a year later, and any responses evaporated. Is it because the seed is ineffective? Not at all. There's nothing wrong with the word. It, it's always effective. The, the, the problem is that underneath the joyful response is a heart that is as hard as granite. The word isn't allowed to penetrate and break up the rocky ground. There's initial enthusiasm, a love for the gospel and church, but there's no firm root. And when trouble or persecution comes, when it, when it gets difficult, there's this falling away. So It's interesting that Jesus mentions trouble and persecutions. He expects Christians to face both. But when these things come to those with shallow hearts, the bubble is burst and the shallowness of their faith is exposed. One of my worst habits is starting a book and not finishing it. There are lots of books sitting on my shelves at home that I've started and I've had a real interest in and I've loved it and enjoyed reading them. But because other things come up and are more important, I never quite get around to finishing the books off. That's what what a shallow heart is like. There's initial zeal and love for the Lord, but it quickly goes because there's no root. Now, I'm sure that we know people like this. I know people like this people who have been really involved in Christian things but are now nowhere spiritually. L- lots of people start off following Jesus and are attracted to all that he offers forgiveness, being part of a church, being part of a community, friendships, care and attention from others, nice music, lots of activities, moral teaching for their children. But eventually they come to the conclusion that it's just too hard. It's just too costly. That walking down the narrow road, you know, is just too difficult. That being for what Jesus is for and against what he is against will just bring too much pain and too much change. That the cost of family and friendships is too much to bear. Maybe you're thinking like that this morning. Maybe that describes your spiritual experience so far. But bursts of life, then long periods of disinterest. Could it be that you're attracted to the blessings but not the cost? F- following Jesus will have some kind of cost. In the Gospels, he speaks about us taking up our cross and following him. But from an eternal perspective, the blessings of following him far outweigh the cost. If we walk the narrow road, we get to heaven eventually. If this is what you're like this morning, then you need to pray that the Gospel would penetrate deeper into your shallow heart. The third heart that Jesus speaks about in this parable is the distracted heart. We read about this kind of person in verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Notice that Jesus mentions two things in particular that choke spiritual life. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. This warning is timeless. People from every generation have struggled with the desires for other things rather than following Christ. Here there's an initial response to the word but there's a problem. The ground is preoccupied. There are too many other things calling out for attention and the budding faith that is there is choked. There are the worries that come with a career and a family, the manager to please, the targets to meet, the farm to maintain, the family to feed, the bills to pay, the exams to pass, the social life to maintain and develop. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. The problem comes when they begin to dominate our lives so that the word is choked. So that when we hear about the holiness of God, we're not really moved to consider our sin. Or when we hear about the wisdom of God, and we're not really interested in hearing his truth speak into our lives. We're thinking about other things. We- wealth has the same choking effect as the, as the worries of this life. Again, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong about earning money and, and living in a comfortable house, but in a world of choice where, where nothing is out of our price range, Jesus can become an optional extra. If this describes us then we need to listen to Jesus. We need to hear what he says and think about these things. And what he says is essentially this, that there's nothing more precious and satisfying and fulfilling than following him. This world may offer lots, but it delivers little. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What he's saying there is that he wants us to make him our treasure. He wants us to invest in him and put our energies into following him. There's an example of someone with a thorny heart in the Bible itself. Demas was involved with ministry in ministry with Paul. He's listed as a fellow worker by Paul at the end of Philemon. But towards the end of his life, Paul writes a letter to Timothy. And this is what he says about Demas. He says, Demas because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Imagine that being your epilogue. That's Demas' epilogue in the Bible. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Paul explains that Demas has abandoned him and the gospel because of the deceitfulness of wealth. Because he loved this world, Demas threw it all away. His spiritual life was snuffed out because of his thorny heart. Demas' story is a terrible anecdote and a warning to those of us who have distracted hearts. If we recognize ourselves to be like this, then we need to listen to Jesus. He alone satisfies. He, He alone provides true happiness and fulfillment. As he says elsewhere in the Gospels, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his own soul? There's nothing more important in this world than a personal relationship with Jesus. Then finally, there's the receptive heart, the good soil, the soil that bears fruit. Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Finally, Jesus comes to the seed that fell in a good place. The person Jesus speaks of here receives the word and isn't careless with it, and isn't distracted by other things, this person hears the word and acts on it. They're listening to the king. They want his input in their lives. Now what we need to say here is that someone who has a receptive heart doesn't have a perfect heart. It's it's a bit of a difference. Receptive is not perfect. Receptive hearts still struggle. Receptive hearts still become discouraged. If we're younger in the faith, we shouldn't despair and wonder if we have a receptive heart. That's because no one, even those of us who have been Christians for years, are what we should be or will be. For those of us who have receptive hearts, Jesus calls us to continue to listen to him. Elsewhere in the Gospels, he says that he is the vine and that we are the branches and that whoever abides in him will bear much fruit, for apart from him we can do nothing. Left by ourselves, you see, we all have calloused hearts. But if we're here this morning and we're believers, then we need to be encouraged because we have been given receptive hearts. Each one of us can maybe identify with some of the soils. There are parts of our lives where we're hard to what God says. We're maybe shallow in terms of our understanding of the faith. We're distracted by what's happening in our lives. But if we're Christians, then we need to understand this morning that God has sovereignly worked to make us receptive to his words. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you by God. If this is us, will we keep listening to Jesus? Will we continue to grow and bear fruit and in turn sow the seed that has taken root in our hearts? Will we serve and live for the one who is broken into the rocky ground of our hearts? The thing that we need to remember as we read this parable is that the sower is Jesus himself. And that means that we can have real confidence in him and in the seed. His word never returns to him void, as it's explained. It imparts blessing or confirms judgment every time it's opened. As we think about what kind of listener we are, that this is what we need to remember, who the sower is. One of the mistakes that you can make as you read this parable is to think that it's all about what we do, all about what you do. But it doesn't say, be good soil and God will accept you. Instead, it's telling us that we desperately need to trust the sower. We need to trust and listen to Jesus. He he is the king who is able to break through the hardest and most callous hearts. He, He is the savior who is able to break through hard hearts, shallow hearts, distracted hearts, and make them fruitful. And he's able to do that. Because he is the Messiah who went to the cross. It's easy for us to sit here this morning and think, well, that soil definitely describes that person, their hard soil. They've got a distracted heart. But the point of what Jesus is saying here is not that we would think about what type of soil other people are, it's to make us think about how we're listening. It's to make us act on what we've heard and pray that we would have receptive hearts. So so as we come to a close this morning, let's ask that question again. Are you listening to Jesus? What kind of listener are you? The direction of your life and of your eternity depends on the answer you give. As you think about your response to the word this morning, what do you need to pray? That, That God would break through your hard heart that God would, would make his gospel take deeper root in your heart. That God would help you to block out distractions. That God would continue to bless you and make you fruitful. Maybe you're here this morning and this has been just another Bible story. Just another parable, just another sermon, nothing more. Well, what should you do this morning? Well, you can only do one thing and that's make Jesus your treasure. Pray and ask God to open your eyes. Pr- pray that you would see and hear and understand the message of the kingdom. Pray that you would be able to listen to this message and that, uh, the, the message that others seem so keen on, so intent on, uh, so excited about. Pr- pray that God would forgive you and begin a work in your heart. Th- through the parable of the sower, Jesus says, I can change your life, but are you listening? Let's pray together. Father, we realize that this parable is like a filter for us. We pray that you would help us all to have receptive hearts. And we pray that you would expose areas in which we're not receptive to your word. We pray that you would stop Satan, Satan from stealing your word away that you would break into rocky ground, and that your word would take deep root in people's lives. And we pray that you'd help us not to be distracted from spiritual things, but engaged and active in following Jesus. Father, we pray that you'd help us in these things. Help us to be those who are receptive to you and to your kingdom, and those who are, are, are desiring to know you more and to know you better. And Lord, we pray for those who haven't yet trusted in Jesus. We pray that they might see that Jesus is the sower who has sown the seed and that as the gospel has gone out this morning, that they might respond to him in faith. Father, we thank you for your word. Blessed to all of our hearts. We realize that we're all represented in the parable of the sower. Help us to understand where we stand before you this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.